The Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC Argentina Breakdown, picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night Dark night It's a dark night What is up, you savages? This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I am your host, Dan Tom. Analyst whose work you can find at MMAJunkie.com and five days a week on MMA Junkie Radio. But on this year's program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down... High level MMA, and that's what we're going to do here today, tonight, whenever you're listening to this. Hopefully, it's before the fight. And the fight in hand is yes, UFC Fight Night 140. Is that what the fuck we're on? I guess so. UFC Argentina. Um, it's uh, Thursday afternoon, late Thursday afternoon, I should say, when I'm recording this. Uh, I know I tweeted that I was headed home to record the podcast, which was technically true, but I haven't really eaten since, like, the night before, so I had to eat and get some other things in order, and uh, you didn't want, like, you know, uh, you know, post-digestion, Dan, uh, so uh, to get up for this a little bit, and uh, yeah, we're here now, which is good, because uh, some news literally just broke before uh, I got on here. I used to do one check of the phone before I jump on and do the old podcast, and... Uh, Apparently, one Nick Diaz is reported to be coming back against Jorge Masvidal. Now, I don't know how excited we should get about this. You know, we've seen premature uh, announcements, whether it be false information or, well, false information, just I guess depending from the source, if you know what I mean. Uh, I don't know if it's a trickery is afoot, in other words. You know, we've seen some, uh, some strong arming. Uh, done by promotions before, so uh, let, let's see if, if uh, things are signed, things are in order. Um, a lot of debate, uh, I'm sure, is going to ensue on whether this can even happen. You know, with the uh, whole Floyd Mayweather, Nasakawa, which now is getting reportedly back on. I can't keep up. There's way just too many fucking news. There's just there's just too much shit. I love MMA. It's, it's, remind myself that daily that, that, that you know I, I somehow have a job doing it but goddamn is, isn't it just too much shit sometimes guys right i mean we love it but isn't it just a little little too much uh yeah so i haven't read up on that but again uh, the reason why i bring it up is uh well i'm just i'm just i'm just keeping it tempered uh i'm going to pause real quick just to check sound yeah we're good but uh yeah no i'm just i'm keeping my expectations i guess just just tempered on, on anything I will say, though, I will say optimistic on Diaz coming back. I mean, one, and let's be honest, it's like now or never. Not never, but, you know, to get any realistic good fights out of him. Uh, he puts out good fights, but uh, he's also getting older, and that that layoff is insane. I mean, what's it been now since, what, 20, 2014 and shit? Uh, he's a great fighter, but he's not a great athlete. Uh, like uh, George St. Pierre, for example, who was somehow able to pull a what was it, a three-plus-year layoff out of his ass last year around this time. Uh, but the thought of a, a one Nick Diaz coming back is is, is always is always uh, enticing. You know, I, I don't 
you know, name value and money, those things really don't match up as much as I love Jorge Masvidal. And as much as I love Nick Diaz, I think that's a tough matchup for him. Um, I, I think I, I would have Jorge by decision would be the most logical outcome of that fight, my first feelings on it. Uh, just because of uh, Jorge's boxing savvy being able to hold with Nick Diaz, whereas Nick Diaz, that would be the heart as much, much as we love watching him box, that's going to be the hardest thing uh, on paper for him to come back to because that involves timing. Uh, speed, perception, power, all those things really just firing, explosive. Whereas grappling, I imagine, is one of the things he's got to have been doing, um, not competitively, but to stay in shape, I, I would hope. But I, I wouldn't take anything too seriously, even though, you know, he, one would think the Diaz brother riding the bikes and being a vegan would be healthy, but as we know, Nick has been... Uh, Amongst the partying lifestyle, I mean, for a little bit there, I felt like I was seeing him more in uh, Instagram uh, live stories of girls that I follow uh, here in Vegas because he was partying here so much, more than the MMA media articles, ironically enough. Um, and, uh, and yeah, Masvidal, really underrated wrestling. Uh, his jiu-jitsu has certainly shored up since the Toby Amada days. I think that, that, you know, almost getting posterized like that, and I love uh, Jorge, all due respect, but all, getting posterized like that really bothered Jorge and... Made him want to shore up his jujitsu, so I don't. I don't think. Uh, I don't think that, that it's as uh, lively as a threat submission-wise. Let's not forget the man survived some tough spots with one Damian Maya, who I hear that guy's not too bad at submissions. So I, I would definitely favor Jorge Masvidal. I would expect the odds to favor him too, not by too much. They would probably want to just entice that. They knew that you know that Nick Diaz money even even more. I'm sure. Sure, you know. Uh, probably see you know I don't know probably see something like uh, my guess I'll just offhand will probably be like a plus 150 or something on Nick Diaz a dog but not disrespectful and more than enticing enough to play because you got to know that public money would be coming in on Mr. Nick Diaz um that's just my take and I, and I love Nick Diaz by the way what's your favorite Nick Diaz moment hit me up at Dan Tom MMA or at the PYM podcast hashtag protect your neck podcast I'm gonna check that too and when we go to break I'm gonna pull up something else I forgot to check before I pull up here because I. Uh, I owe you guys my list for your, my list for your purchases at MixedMartialAnalyst.com where you can listen to this podcast if you don't have iTunes. That's right, smartphone-friendly players in the sense of you can go to it on your smartphone, uh, play the episode, and uh, get off of my website, exit out of the page, and go above your go about your uh, whatever Twitter, uh, Tinder, whatever you kids uh, be using these days. It won't affect that. Um, that said, I, I do got to scold myself. Uh, still, still behind on Stitcher and all that stuff, and getting uploaded to other platforms. I'm, I'm just really bad, folks. I'm really trying to make time for this stuff. It's it's just been tough, and I don't expect it to get done by year's end because we are in the what is traditionally UFC is two long stretches uh, through the year, and at least what it feels like, uh, the winter stretch feels the longest. Maybe because we're having a balance in holidays that are amongst mine and many of your favorites. Kind of get swallowed up by these events. So, here, here. Uh, to that. But, yeah, meet us all. We got a fight to break down. I will be getting to that. Uh, don't worry. I just wanted to, I did want to get some, some notes off the top. We are coming off UFC Denver. Uh, I do want to touch off a few things on that. Um, uh, you know, positives was, was an awesome fight, more than we could ask for with Zombie and Yair. Uh, it was, you know, uh, Man, all respect to Yair. I think I think we can all agree that he, he whether you had him uh, winning or not, and I think most of us at this point can, can agree that he was he was losing as far as the scorecards go. Um, you know, 
I would agree. I would argue that he overperformed, man. And I know I come down hard on Yair sometimes. So I was really impressed and really happy for him coming through that adversity, hurting his foot in the first round. Uh, Zombie was a little more flat-footed and just standing at range way more than I uh, expected. And luckily for him, that was a part of Yair's game plan, probably because he was taking the fight on short notice. Um, So having him, you know, like his corner, I believe, even acknowledged post-fight that they wanted him more flat-footed and more fundamental. I get the more fundamental part. and Actually keeping Yair more grounded and more flat-footed, per se, would probably, uh, oddly enough, fuel those fundamental sensibilities. So... um, you know, it makes sense, the game plan, but uh, they coincided and congealed, if you will, with each other because the pressure built to a steady simmer toward the end. And I will admit, uh, I only did one parlay. It was like a five-leg parlay that started from the very beginning of the card because I, I had De La Rosa. Um, who else did I have? Fuck, I can't really pull it up now. Durandamy. Um, I think I had an over in there somewhere. And, uh, fuck, anyways, if it comes back to me, I'll, I'll let you know. But, yeah, uh, the fifth leg and the final leg, obviously, was in that fight. Uh, and it was that the fight would not go the distance, right? Um, and it was a pretty, and, and it was, it was a pretty chalky, but, but ended up being, paying off really nicely, uh, as far as the total and what I put into it goes. And so I, I was very invested. I, the only other bet I had live was a sprinkle on Zombie, which, I, like I told you in this podcast, it was a stay away, but if Zombie did go creep to dog money, he was one of the guys I would have pulled the trigger on. Uh, but the, the parlay paid much more, so I was just really just rooting for a finish. So when they were high-fiving like ridiculous amounts toward the end, old Dan Tom was screaming, and uh, <laughs> like, what are you doing? And to uh, all of a sudden shock. Like, I couldn't believe it was over, and I literally just was audible, like, did I just get paid? What the? Did I just get paid? And, uh, and yeah, he, Yair Rodriguez ties, I believe, for second latest stoppage next to Frankie Edgar. They're both right behind Demetrius Johnson, if memory serves, but he did tie Frankie Edgar that much, I'm sure of. Uh, which is ironic enough, because, you know, he, he he's Frankie Edgar's guy he just lost to and replaced, so there's just, you know, MMA just works in these weird little triangles there. But, um... But yeah, yeah, that was that was uh, that was insane. That was a record there, but it was also a record for Dan Tom because that was my record for you know latest bet cash. You know, I didn't I didn't bet Ankalaev or any of these other kind of late finishing guys or anything like that. And uh, and yeah, that was quite the ride from start to finish. So it's always nice when those work out. They don't always do. In fact, uh, for me, they 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 haven't worked out more often than not of late. If I'm being honest, right? Uh, not to not to keep on harping on on my continued. Um, Struggle with the picks, which uh, we'll actually get back to because I'm going to touch on Bellator uh, 209, which just happened today um, as well. But uh, before we leave, uh, uh, UFC Denver just wanted to say, man, how can you not be happy for Cowboy? Again, the thing I hate about making picks most is that you have to be on the wrong side of picks and wrong side of awesome moments and picking against fighters you you like and and, and, and whatnot. And uh, Cowboy was one of them. And uh, I said before I wouldn't be mad, and I definitely not mad at all. I'm just more mad at myself, I guess, uh, that I ended up picking against him. Uh, sure, I didn't expect uh, Perry to shoot for a takedown, but needless to say, uh, there was no question on who was better on the ground there. Even if you had Perry going into that fight, right? I don't think there was an argument there. And Cerrone showed why and took his arm home with him. Man, that was that was brutal. Um, which I guess his arm didn't break, but whatever. Uh, Perry will live to fight another day, and, and so will Cowboy, which is the good news, 
mean, and he breaks the record on that night. Like, you know, not that that it should or would have swayed my my analysis, but like I didn't even realize that going into the fight. I'm like, oh yeah, he's up for he's up for a record there. Yeah, that that makes. Yeah, that really puts the bow tie on it. So, no, really stoked for Cowboy there, and, and definitely don't mind being wrong on that. And then just one last thing. I, I wanted to bring up the Skelly and Moffat fight, and I also bad because, like, uh, you know, I picked Skelly and then I played him, and it always looks like a, a bad bias immediately if you complain about anything with a bet, right? And it's tough. But honestly, I can tell you it had nothing to do with a bet. I ended up positive for the night. Like, I don't give a shit about the bet, right? Like, it's just... There's two things, and neither of them have to do with the bet. One was uh, just the commission. Um, the fact that, and I, I stated this earlier in the week, so I don't want to beat a dead horse here. I stated it on Monday uh, on MMA Junkie Radio. Like, I went pretty into it, as well as into this segment, our highs and lows segment, where it's not that he met and messes up, man. I, I feel like I and, and we on the radio team are really forgiving of refs more times than not. Um, but he did mess up. In fact, one of the best refs in the business, Big John McCarthy, even even tweeted so. But n- not even here nor there. My point here is that he had the chance to make up for it uh, in his review and putting his ego aside and realizing that he wasn't sure what he was seeing and it, and then and and it doesn't and it doesn't look that way in the replay either. And instead of doing that and coming to terms with it. You know, Tim Mills, uh, the guy who I should feel bad about because I always compare him to confused Jim Norton because ever since, you know, get ready to take your, uh, check your bingo card off for, for Protecting Neck Podcast. That's right, UFC Fight Night 13, baby. You know, I love bringing up that card. Ever since we first saw Tim Mills in his first UFC appearance, the UFC Fight Night 13, uh, he looked like a deer in headlights then. He acted like it, and he acted like it uh, that night uh, with, with the poor call, uh, the arm limp, which it, it wasn't limp. You, you can't tell it from being limp in the replay for two. And for three, whatever the fuck you interpret it, he's fighting a choke. His, ar- his, 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 his arm is, should not be... Uh, <coughs> excuse me. His arm should not be... Uh, contending with the ref and like you know fucking wing chunging uh, wrist fighting uh, the ref's grip off him and while giving him a thumbs up like I don't know what what's to be expected there it's a really shitty test and uh, furthermore what was the purpose for him grabbing the arm in the first place because he didn't do it for a test he did it to stop him uh, to stop the fight uh, in which the story he gave to Chad Skelly was eye-fluttering, one he did not repeat or stick to. So again, he's not even... He's sticking to a story when he doesn't need to, not putting his ego aside, and not even staying consistent with his story. Uh, and then secondly, as somebody who just uh, really... who grapples, understands uh, Skelly's funky style of grappling, and more importantly, more specific, more relevant to this case has a real good understanding of the Darsh choke, um, specifically as somebody who baits the Darsh choke whenever I'm bottom half guard. I'll actually let guys lock it up to sweep. Uh, anybody who grapples me knows I, I, I like to work a lot from Turtle, Eduardo Tellez style, and get a lot of sweeps and reversals from there, especially in grappling class. We're not striking, right? We can get away with it a little easier than MMA. Um, but yes, uh, even... the uh, you know, uh, for, So for example, you know, if I'm in bottom half and someone would lock it up, uh, the first thing I would teach, you know, I, I would teach or, or do uh, is creating space between your shoulder and head. A lot of ways to do that is getting around to the elbow. Now, Chaz Skelly was in a different position. He is completely kind of flipped over. It's almost like not a north-south because they are too shallow for a north-south, but similar to a north-south in that his head's pointed towards crotch. 
Uh, Moffat's head pointed towards Skelly's ass. Moffat on bottom position. Kelly, uh, Skelly on top facing upwards toward the camera, right? Whereas uh, if there was a, a sandwich between the mat and Skelly, Moffat's on the bottom. But Moffat has the choking position, right? He is, he is in the advantageous position, no doubt about it. Uh, but Skelly doing the right thing, staying with that principle, clearing the elbow. Because once you clear the elbow, you cr- inherently create space between your shoulder and your neck. So you will see Skelly do the correct thing clearing the elbow but for more of a leverage point and clearing point pinning it to the mat or in the process of putting it to the mat just doing that all correctly um as well as uh the michael jackson from back to the future guitar walk right where you know where where he's walking the legs and they're kind of chasing each other uh and that's to avoid leverage and tightening as well so uh, as long as he's keeping his legs free He's not going to have the room to, Moffat was not going to have the room to close and finish that choke. And in fact, if they would have keep doing that motion, um, Skelly could have spun out and ended up on top. Very similar to how guys we see routinely spin in when uh, inside of a guard to end up on top position when someone has their back. Um, creating momentum, okay? Uh, but, but again, we don't know if that was going to happen. It, it, Moffat could have gotten the choke. The, that's the uh, irony is the ref robbed Moffat just as much as he robbed Skelly from getting it. And Moffat, as a class act as he is, you know, he even said so himself. He couldn't put it in better wor- words than he did, you know. He's like, I always wanted to win in the UFC, and it's great to be here, but I can't say I want to win like this. Uh, not so much his words, but, you know, the gesture and genuine to him, man. Ro- a fan of Moffat, I don't mean to take away from him here. Just, God damn, it's so, like, it, 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 if we put on a, on a, on a scale, on, on positions I, 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 I'm familiar with and, like, would not feel like an asshole even going to a pro and working with, and uh, uh, it would be this position. Uh, fuck. It just, yeah, so that's why I, if that expresses my annoyance with that, that's why it's just, it's a personal note because I, I, I hate to sound ignorant and, and I really sound ignorant on some early podcasts and I go back to listen to, I apologize for that, but goddamn, I fucking stand to this. I know that fucking position. All right. Anyways. All right. But moving on from UC Denver, which is good. I, I dig, I dug, dug the old graphics and stuff. And, uh, speaking of old history, man, um, uh, I believe I gave shots to them before and listened to them before, but uh, I know they have a lot on the Loudmouth Network there, but uh, I, I don't listen to much MMA podcasts. I'll come clean. I barely listen to any these days, but if, if I do see, a, if I do see a, a history podcast pop up, uh, I don't know if they call it the MMA Yesterdays, but it's on the Loudmouth MMA. Go, go check out their podcast uh, network. Um, shout out to Kyle Steele, who I believe is actually at Loudmouth MMA. Um he does it with a gentleman on there, and uh, I forget who it was in the first one who did a, did did a fine job. But they they, they got my man now from uh, MMA Takeover, and, and as well as fan sided uh, Keith Shalan at Keith Shalan MMA. Sorry if I'm mispronouncing your last name, Keith, but uh, I know Keith uh, talked to him on 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 Facebook from time to time. So I apologize for my poor Boston accent. Keith has a legit one, and Keith has legit been watching the UFC for a minute, so it was really cool. Um, getting, you know, just because it, it, it refreshes you stuff that you, you, you either haven't watched in a while, like me, or like me, just didn't fucking know. So uh, I just wanted to give them a proper shout, man. Uh, I really, I really did. So, so shouts to you guys. Uh, keep up, keep up the good work over there. Um, Bellator two hundred nine happened today. So and yeah, don't worry, guys. I I will. Uh, Timestamp, as I remind you, uh, when the uh, you know, if you want to skip ahead to get to the breakdown and whatnot, and, and I'm getting better about describing that, and just get better about reading it and, and uh, 
we will work together. But Bellator 209, real quick, uh, it's, yeah, I'm, I'm pissed off like you guys. Like, they just buried the goddamn card. There wasn't anything on the weigh-ins. And then, you know, while the, the event's going on, they're, like, tweeting, oh, who's going to win tomorrow? Like, you know, we're idiots and stuff. And it sucks, you know? I mean, uh, it's not... I don't I don't know if it, if it's Dazen's fault or not or Deasian, Dazone, whatever. Because um, this is something that was going on before, obviously, and we thought it was going to be fixed. That's why I and you were paying for Dazone, right? And that's why we assume Bellator is doing it. No more tape delays. But I don't know what's going on, man. Is it like that Bahrain shit? Is there like dictator money over in Israel that's getting paid? Like you know what I'm saying? Like I hate to be like the tinfoil hat guy, but like. You can't help but lend credence to these things. Like I think I saw like an article today, like oh, five Irish MMA MMA fighters going for championships in Bahrain. I'm like, oh, that is not at all a head scratching or suspect. No offense to Bahrain or Irish MMA, but I'm just let's let's connect these dots here, people. Um, go for go follow Kareem's dance work. Uh, if, if not, he'll help you do that. Um, but shouts to Kareem. But, you know, it, it's, 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 it, it, like, what the fuck is going on over there in Israel, man? It's, uh, I don't, like, what? Like, by the way, I heard, I hear lo- Israel's low-key a fun place, but, I mean, uh, for, you know, people who follow history, it kind of takes the fun out of it, you know? <laughs> 1948, <laughs> 1948. But, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's, 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 there's a lot of, like, contingency there, and I'm glad, and I want the people, both sides, by the way, to be peaceful and be happy, and I'm glad if it's becoming more of a destination, if you will, but I don't buy that that's enough for why are we having all these shows these show, uh, these shows in that market that are that's going to demand a tape delay that puts them in this funny position where they have to because I believe it's the only market where they have to do that now. I believe the zone fixes the like London UK or at least because they've at least had one under this regime, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, anyways, I, I'm, I'm scratching my head here. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I... I go to tweet this stuff, and I'm like, why am I going to tweet it, like, if, like, it's just going to be, like, a negative storm. And I agree with you half the time, which, by the way, sorry to interject here, uh, UFC.com, new, new makeover. And that's another thing that's got me all fucking, my panties twisted this this, this week. Because <laughs> I don't know if, like, I, like you guys, have, like, all your tabs laid out. Like, uh, I have it in such a routine now. I've been doing it for a minute. You know, go, sure dog, tapology, UFC, Instagram, uh, five dimes for odds, two Google tabs for uh, miscellaneous searches and the rando fighters, uh, tabs for MMA Junkie and tabs for my site for referencing my notes and online notes and breakdowns. My notebook in front of me, of course. Uh, email page, separate email page, I should say, with just the uh, info that we get emailed as media. Of course, that's very useful. Um, I have that up. And um, and then, of course, yes, UFC Fight Pass, obviously. Duh. Uh, so, yeah, and that's what I had. Like, that's my, like, kind of at all times tabs, by the way, a little peek behind the curtain. And feel free for whether you're a casual uh, fucking degen or a hardcore degen or a capper or whatever if you want just feel free to hit me up with what if you if you feel me on these or if you have a, your own little tab set up you know anyways but neither here nor there but the, I, I just took the UFC and went off it just wasn't doing anything like, it, it takes four clicks just to get to the card the relevant card of the week as opposed to just having it right there when you click on it for your book from your bookmark 
Oh, and it lists, and it would list the time and what what, what network it's on, and I just have a nice overview, and you still have room for your advertising and side stories, and it was functional. Say what you will. I know that they're the real hardcores out there have the opinion that they feel like it's gotten worse every time. I'm not. I get your feelings there. But I feel like we could have been happy if we stayed at the last one. I feel like it was a nice happy medium, a nice I don't fuck with you, you don't fuck with me, yeah, kind of a place. And now it just looks like some fucking Viagra salesmanship fucking like, try our new product. Like fucking, uh, it was like when Flash first came out, you know, and like and every fucking website like overly celebrated it to where you're like, come on, man, my 56K is fucking trying to appreciate your flash, but you guys are just hit me up the ass with it. This is a really explicit podcast, guys. I apologize. But yeah, and it just it just is like that. Like, top stories. This is, it's, you know, and it's like given the headline of these loosely headline stories and like, wait, who's this guy? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yes. I, I get, where, where's the shit? And you have to wait for those pop-up tabs. And then when we get to it, it's not even, again, when we actually commit the four clicks to get to the damn card, we don't even get the full visual again. We have to scroll down uh, uh, matchup by matchup, and it doesn't even uh, it, it, and it doesn't even tell us the whole card. We have, it only uses main card. It breaks us down into three. So, again, we can't get an overview. We have to go four clicks to get to the card. Now, that's subdivided to three clicks just to see who's on the card slash where the card is airing. Now, that's not including. Let's add. Now, we're at eight clicks to click on the individual fucking matchup or fighter. And by the way, it does not give you an overview. You have to do that weird flash thing that's going to send you an epileptic shock if you have wired a certain way. You have to scroll down, and it only reveals it as you scroll down. And the stat layout is not as clear, not as informative. Not that I even go by those number stats, by the way. Uh, for for what it's worth, they're not really that useful, and they're really not indicative to too much, for the most part, at least for me and the way I break down fights. But what is useful is those fighter bios, which are not there, and I understand they're probably not done, and I'm hoping those are going to come. But the fact is, we're at eight fucking clicks to get there, maybe nine. Who knows how they're going to install that and make us get there for something that was there in, in two to three. And the pertinent information was there right in the fucking beginning. I'm sorry. I'm an old fucking man that does not like change. And I love functionality. Oh, I love simplicity and functionality. Um, yeah, whether it's what we're talking about, automotives, cars, it just, oh, God. Anyways, hit me up if you feel me about that. But real quick on Bellator 209. Um, yeah, uh, I... I I took a, I took some, uh, I took some flyers there. Uh, well, I took one flyer betting wise, but as far as picks, uh, I unfortunately took Dandwa, which I know I'm laughing at, but I was looking at that Olga girl. Like she, she fought nobody and whatnot, and I guess she won by decision, which makes sense. I should have took her in the in, in the first place. It was one of those things where I looked into the fight too much. I actually went, God forbid, rewatched some tape on Dandwa and watch tape on the other girl and I'm like eh, I don't know if she's gonna stop uh, Dandwa from getting heavy on her and just fucking sitting on her maybe getting a sub but yeah uh, I don't know I don't really care to go back and watch it but apparently she won and uh, good for her it was a hometown girl uh, and she's a good she's a good looking chick too by the way oh, don't let the name Olga fool you I mean she's evening out the Olga base I mean most Olgas right you know like guy named Oleg okay let's for stereotyping names like that dude can wrestle girl named Olga Probably's got some warts on her face. 
This girl doesn't. She balances out that equation. Happy to see her get the win. I did take a flyer, though, on Nemkov, and apparently he got a win. I don't know how legit it is. It's by split decision. And there was another split decision or contentious decision later, uh, which, again, I don't I don't know. I didn't see the fight. I didn't see any of these. So um, I am interested to go back and watch the Nemkov-Davis one. One, because his Davis is fucking underrated, man. I was really going back to watch him. Like, I started doing breakdowns in early 2015 and had the site up and going in mid-2015. So I've been doing breakdowns publicly for only over three years. Um, but you do the math on when Davis left. Davis left like right around that time, right? Uh, right before I started doing these breakdowns and went over to Bellator. And for reasons like fucking today, with this tape delay, uh, I don't watch Bellator as a West Coaster because uh, it's always del- on delay for us. Uh, unless you've got like a satellite, which I don't. Um, and yeah, so I, I just didn't want to follow it. And and let's be honest, aside from like the homie uh, Michael Chandler uh, and some other guys, you know, it, well, they would. I really wasn't into their format, and the talent wasn't uh, commanding my attention. Now they've done a much better job, and now it's a part of my job to cover them. Uh, but the kind of problem there is I'm having to get, do much more homework on a lot of these guys, a lot of these guys now because again I just haven't been watching belt or I would just read results and see highlights. You know, I, I haven't been looking at it from an objective eye, barely even a fan's eye, uh, which is helpful because I actually do have some decent memory and usually saves me some some uh, some, some ground bearing. But yeah, uh, just going back and obviously I was familiar with Davis from UFC, obviously, but just going back and looking at his resume, and then watching his fights I was like, man, it was really impressive and. It's getting better with his stand-up, but he was also getting more comfortable being in range, and his defense wasn't catching up with his offense, which is bad for Nemkov. Everybody's thinking Nemkov's the leg kick guy just because of his last fights, but if you go back and watch his fights, he's the boxing guy. He's the Sambo guy who has an amazing ground game but never uses it for some reason because he keeps knocking dudes the fuck out on the feet. So, uh, And he looked like he could defend from the clinch, which is where Davis generally tends to get his takedowns from. So uh, I took the shot on Nemkov, and, 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 and that... Uh, that uh, that cash. Otherwise, it was just favorite picks and nothing worth playing. So it was all uh, favorites. I ended up going with Patricio Pitbull Fieri, even though my heart was with Manny El Matador Sanchez. Man, that guy's never been stopped, and he still hasn't been stopped. Um, so I was I was wrong there, thankfully. Uh, but unfortunately, Manny Sanchez didn't get the win. Uh, it was like you know four rounds to one or three rounds to two, a mix of that, and and. Uh, Apparently it's a close fight, but uh, I gotta go and see it. So that there's there's that uh, recap for you. Oh, Ryan Couture, shout out to the homie. Speaking of the homies, uh, Ryan Couture got a win. Um, granted, I know it's a guy you're already beaten and should have beat Haim Gozali. By the way, only only guys spinning Haim Gozali, Carlos Newton and Jacare Souza. So no shame there uh, for another decision win for for Ryan and. Uh, be interested to see what he does next, man. But uh, wishing him the best either way. I always got love for Ryan. Um, all right. Uh, da, 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 da. Oh, I saw real quick. Just wanted to talk about two touch two two things, and then we'll, and a shout out, and we'll we'll get out of the breakdown here, guys, folks. Sorry, sorry. I know it's kind of running long here. Uh, I saw Queen. Was was uh, it's very paint by numbers. Very very typical. Uh, Trying to cram a lot in, but yet as a fan, I still kind of wanted more of them to cover more. Uh, you know, can complain they didn't hit on certain things, but uh, awesome performance by the guy who played Freddie Mercury. And uh, you know, granted, I may not have had a drink or two in me, but uh, I definitely enjoyed the movie. 
and uh, was was enjoying myself during it, and uh, casted really well, like John, Roger, and Brian. Uh, the guys, the, those guys did really well, but uh, it was crazy. I even heard uh, they <laughs> they rewrote it a bunch of times. Like I, I kind of got upset once I heard like Sasha Baron Cohen was originally attached to play Freddie Mercury. I'm like, oh, that would have been cool. And then David Fincher, who has been hit and miss, but uh, I'll, I'll always love him for Seven and, and Fight Club, of course, but was attached as a director at one point. And uh, they even had to rewrite the script because apparently uh, the band members got their panties twisted because uh, freaking it was too much about Freddie Mercury, which is ironic because the whole fucking movie's about Freddie Mercury. And uh, I don't want to repeat my man Brian from the Film Vaults uh, review, but... I, he was a little harsher, by the way, than I would be, because I, I enjoyed it. But uh, he didn't. But but I did. I did agree with the criticisms, man. They're just very, just very, you know, paint by numbers uh, kind of thing. Mike Myers cameo was kind of a, a little too much of a, a little too self congratulatory pat on the back, even though I got the nod and, and did, did did giggle myself. I don't know. Hit me up what you thought. Uh, I know my man uh, Flying Brian posted a, a review. I didn't check it out yet, but I'll plan to go check that out. But. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, even if it's about bad movies, I like talking about movies more, guys. I'm trying to do that more because uh, I, I really do love movies. I'm, just try, I'm trying to see more, even though this fucking UFC schedule will really won't allow for me to do much when I have free times. So I really don't feel like watching more uh, film of any any sorts. And by the way, I wanted to give a shout to Chris Rennie, who uh, always does awesome artwork over there at Bloody Elbow. Um, it's turning me on to Deadwood, which a bunch of you guys like Fight Wolf, Wolf Scott Harris, of course, uh, listener to the show, Andrew Millington, uh, all were co-signing on. I believe Jordan Killian as well. And uh, last shout out, Tom Feely over at Sure Dog, who's, who's killing it, man. He's doing the Lord's work. He's doing the full car previews, man. I mean, uh, again, uh, not splitting hairs or whatever. It's not a competition, man. I got love and appreciation for everybody in this community, especially, especially. People got to crack down on that film. So shouts to you, Mr. Tom. That's uh, at OMG. It's Feely. If you want to follow him, by the way. All right, we're gonna get to the breakdown now for UFC Argentina. Wow, half hour in, Dan. You fucking really killed your audience there. I will post the show notes, okay? So you can skip right to it. And I'm gonna try to blow through this as I pull up odds. We're gonna start in the fight pass portion. And from what I believe, after my multiple clicks, uh, the rest will be on FS1, uh, according to the UFC's website. Website. All right. Uh, I believe the first fight is going to be Nads Nidamani minus three fifty versus Anderson Dos Santos plus two ninety. I can't keep up, but I believe this is his third opponent. Uh, that was supposed to be Fernando Nidamani. Um, yeah, uh, Anderson Dos Santos. You know, he starts off his career just kind of fighting regionals. Uh, at, you know, at the whim, getting more wins than losses. Uh. I believe he's Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, but noted for his ground game. And you look at where his losses started accumulating, you start to think, well, is this guy just being fed? You know, like Justin Aldo Silva. I don't have it in front of me, but just the names you'd, rec names you'd recognize uh, are his losses, essentially. And you don't really recognize the wins for the most part. Um, he gets a good win over Ricky Simon Vato at Titan. Um, but I, that fight I want to mention... Um, you know, he hits Ricky Simone with the, you know, Ricky Simone was being disrespectful. And the one thing, not the one thing, but the, the, the main, arguably strongest thing standing up uh, Anderson Dos Santos has is, is a right hand going forward, mainly off the counter, especially when the guys choose to pressure him. 
So that's something Nadir Mani will have to look out for. That was able to sting Ricky Simon and give Anderson Dos Santos a choke. But uh, Ricky Simon, granted, is a really good wrestler uh, and a better wrestler than Nadir Mani um, on paper. Um, and, and probably technique for technique, but needless to say, he was able to take him down pretty easily. And maybe, you know, uh, liking the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, he didn't mind it, uh, doesn't mind it, or doesn't prioritize it in his defense or training. Needless to say, he just doesn't have the greatest takedown defense. And if you watch any of Nani Armani's fights, you kind of lose track of the clock because he kind of says the same thing. He's got just wrestle boxer. A pretty good boxing technique, but just doesn't choose to do it too much, which is a good thing. Uh, at least later on in his career, early, he might have gotten a little more, you know, uh, touched up a little more and a little more free with it himself, if you will. But for the most part, you know, I think he's found his formula as of late. Uh, and he's, he's been able to beat opportunistic submission threats like the Patty Pimblets of the world. Um, I was able to win his debut. I, I can't think of it to save the life of me. Was it fucking Taha or some, some bullshit? God damn it. All these fights are so goddamn forgettable. Uh, like, I know, like I said, some of these fights, I'm like, I've been guilty of like, you know, life is so goddamn busy that the, I spend most of my, my, my week uh, breaking down these fights and I don't even have time to watch them, which is going to be the case this week. One, because of the Bellator aforementioned tape delay. And this week, uh, I'm probably going to miss a lot of the card because uh, I'm going to go to, uh, shouts to my boy Bronson. I'm going to go to his birthday, uh, uh, birthday shindig in the evening. So uh, there's a bar there. There's a TV there. So uh, me and Brian are, are are kind of side game planning. We might you know side be side balling, eyeballing some fights. You know, ordering drinks at opportune times. We definitely want to see our boy Khalil fight, which we'll get to later. Um, so there's that. But uh, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm probably gonna miss these ones as well. And but yeah, anyways, like I was saying, I, I these fights, some of these fights, I do remember seeing, but they just they don't fucking stick. Like, it, it, are we just are we being that? Do you, is this a fact? I guess what I'm asking is this a fact? You know, happening to you guys as well? You know, are you guys? Do you guys kind of do the same thing? Like, who the fuck is this guy? Even you degenerates out there who do the tape study and, and watch these fights live? Like, I'm with you. I, I'm having trouble remembering this shit. Uh, even the shit I'm present for. Anyways, I got Nadim Nirmani here. Obviously, I, I even have him as a parlay piece. I just did a. I just did a, did a kind of for fun parlay, just putting together some chalk. Uh, and that was it. And um, he, he is he is one leg of that though. Um, and I don't know about the overs or unders because I don't know if he could get the finish here. Because uh, one thing I didn't mention, he, he's a he's a, he's a featherweight. He's a sizable featherweight. And since it's short notice, a week short notice, mind you, Anderson Dos Santos is a bantamweight moving up. He doesn't fight at featherweight. So uh, Nandir Mani with the opponent changes, I gotta only imagine is gonna make him fight that more secure fight, and he's gonna grind this out, possibly get a late finish in the third round. Uh, I'm not trying to set off the Derek Love alarm there. I don't have any strong feelings for that. But for what it's worth, that, that that's my read. All right. Uh, Jesus Pinedo. Pino. Minus 220 versus Devin Pow Pow Powell. Come back on him as plus 180. Um, I got Pinedo here. Uh, I think uh, pressure and, and southpaws, for what it's worth, a few that De- Devin Powell's face both have... Have have uh have troubled him. Um, he looks like he's long and lanky. He can put things together on the ground, but I don't think I don't trust his wrestling to test him there. You know, Pinedo hasn't really been tested there, 
but his technique looks decent when he's been forced to defend. He looks like he knows how to use the cage when he's forced to get up, and he's athletic as shit uh, from the looks of it. Athletic Southpaw is going to be unleashing those liver kicks, and I know Devin Powell just got a finish on Alvaro Herrera that many of us probably didn't expect um, via liver kick, but not only does he have to switch his stances to do it, even if he does, he is doing it on a Southpaw, and you can still hit the liver on a Southpaw, obviously, but... The angle that you're kind of turned at kind of closes off the clean shot, if you will, uh, or changes the angle. Um, it's less of a broader angle where you can just smash a broad shin or even fling a, a, a looping kind of cross, hooking, you know, kind of cross or hook, if you will. I'm, I'm thinking cross because I'm a southpaw, so I'd be throwing my left as a cross, but you would probably be throwing it as a hook. Um, either way, it really changes the angle you got to come at it from. So um, I don't see that being there for him, and I don't see him being able to do the wrestling. Uh, that that said, I don't know about about betting this debutant. Uh, I'll get be, uh, maybe betting against a debutant, which will or a, or a greener guy, which we'll maybe get to later. Um, yeah, sure, but but I don't know about about, about this. Okay, so I got Pinedo. Moving on. Uh, nothing there. I don't know when it's going to end, so I don't even trust any props or overs or unders there. Uh, Hector Aldana minus one thirty. And Lorelei no stará as an Italian name in Argentina, because that's what happens if you look at the food and the, the, the influenza. Uh, wow, influenza, Dan. Wow, really? I'm sorry. Poco, poco por italiano, poco. All right, um, grazie. All right, sorry about that. I will stop brutalizing you with the little Italian that I know, because I don't even know if Lorelano knows uh, Italian. And I don't even know if he knows how to strike, to be honest. <laughs> the one fucking fight I could find on this guy, he is, like, getting bombed on. And then he looks like he's composing himself. Like, he looks like he can kind of, like, pantomime what a fighter's supposed to do. Like, a jab, faint, pressure, hands are up. Yes, I can do this. As soon as, like, the guy starts swinging on him, he's just... He starts, like, flailing his hands. Like, I'm like, holy fuck, this is ugly. Luckily for him, he caught the guy and knocked him out. Um, that was, I believe, two fights ago. Uh, and I don't have it in front of me, but like, he's another one of these guys. It's, like, low competition. I think, like, he, like, fights once a fucking year. Um, don't recognize the gym. Not that I really recognize Hector Aldana's gym. I think it's called, like, Torture Gym. Like, what is it? Is it an MMA gym or, like, an SM gym, dude? What's what's going on here? We got to get the, the gimp mask coming out. Like, bring out the gimp. <laughs> and I... Highly doubt that's Hector Aldana's training situation. But if it is, but if it is, you heard it first here. All right, uh, that's how I, actually, uh, I like Hector Aldana here. Um, it's an avoid fight for obvious reasons. These guys are trash, but Hector Aldana actually looks like he can grapple. Like he's serviceable, can take down, pass. Um, doesn't look completely lost on his back. Like he actually looks like he lo- likes jujitsu more than he likes to strike, and his striking looks better than. Um, Starapoli, uh, he's already fought in the UFC. He's already had to travel, which he'll have to do less travel for this. Um, and minus one thirty. Like if you're just being a degenerate looking for a reason to fucking watch this, because there's not a lot of reasons to watch this card. Uh, I'd be lying if I didn't say to put a fucking degenerate uh, fight a la bet on Hector Aldana just just for the shits of it. But I, I don't suggest you watch or or bet this fight. Uh, moving on. Um. 
Humberto Bendane, minus 245, versus Austin Arnett, plus 205. Man, I thought this guy was so fucking overrated, uh, like, his, coming into his first fight, and then he ends up getting the win, uh, catching homeboy. Sorry, I don't have it in front of me. And then, sure enough, he faces one of, I feel, the most underrated guys from Tough Latam or uh, south of the border. Uh, is uh, Gabriel Benitez, and uh, of course, not to the way I would have imagined it, but Gabriel Benitez uh, disposes him rather quickly. Yet, we're giving this guy a favorite over Austin Arnett, and I know Austin Arnett was like him and like Steven Peterson, I want to say the other guy's name is, or whatever. The Superman tattoo chest guy, I think like those are the two guys everybody was calling out because they just come forward and get trashed. But uh, Austin Arnett looked to really try to turn that around, um, got into pro boxing, took a pro boxing fight before his uh, Hakeem. The Wodu fight. Ah, sorry, having a sip. And, uh, you know, um, didn't get to show it. Showed more of his footwork. I think he just tasted that power. Um, but he's got a chin on him. I mean, you know, he got stopped by Sanhagen, but Sanhagen's the fucking truth, for one, and Sanhagen also went to the body a lot. Um, ben Dene could definitely go to the... Ben Dene could definitely um, go to the body on him. Uh, as well with that kick, uh, that's going to definitely be a path for him. Maybe that's that's what they're looking at here. The, the one weapon that Bendene has that's proven. Uh, but then ben, Bendene, I was looking at his Instagram. I guess he went out to like Phuket Top Team and is like watching like some of his pad work. It looked fucking terrible. Holy shit, he looked awful. Oh my gosh, he was like doing like a, a weak ass like cartwheel kick like. Like, Ebersol's fuck-around cartwheel kick, Brian Ebersol's fuck-around cartwheel kick look way better than this thing. Put it this way. Um, holy shit. Um, and I know Austin Arnett trains at Sick Jitsu, and that's not to, to shit on them, but that's not to gain you confidence either, obviously. But he has been trading up a bit, too, and in, in, in making the treks to Vegas to train a syndicate um, with Kiesa. Uh, even even off camp from the looks of it, and he's in a must win. Whereas Ben Dene, well, they should cut him after this. But the way the state of the UFC is, they're gonna keep doing shows in South America. They'll they'll they'll, they'll resurrect him for that shit. Um, or they'll let him get other fights and get him some wins, and then let him come back or some shit. I don't see them doing that for Arnett. I think Arnett's come and do or die. Uh, both these guys are do or die for the most part, so it's hard to place uh, an over or a method. But, man, th those odds seem off, man. Austin Arnett's faced much tougher guys and is much more of a proven fighter ability-wise. Let's forget the results. Let's look at what they do. For one, he gets the check marks. Who they did it against, he gets the check marks. We're taking results out of it. So I'm picking Austin Arnett, and I even uh, sprinkled on him. Uh, sp just sprinkled a quarter unit. Nothing crazy, just a flyer to keep it interesting. All right, uh, what do we got? Two more and we'll take a break. Uh, you know what? Yeah, on that beat, let's take a break right now. And when we come back, I will finish the breakdown for UFC Fight Night 140, UFC Argentina, right here on the Protect Your Neck Podcast.
Protect Your Neck podcast. For the rest of the card, UFC Argentina. Where we left off was with Alejandre Pantoja, who was the favorite at minus 340, I want to say. Out. And Uka Sasaki, come back on him plus 280. Um. This is, uh, I'm on Pantoja here, and he's the, I guess let's spoil it all in the beginning, he's another, another, another leg of my parlay piece, but uh, I will say, I'm really interested to see Oka Sasaki's improvements, I mean, uh, I don't know if Janelle Laws, that was a great measuring stick to see how far he came, he kind of did what he was supposed to do in a matchup that was kind of tailored to his strength, getting the rear naked choke, which is what he ended up doing, right, I don't know how much we learned from that. But it's still a good sign that he's stayed, stuck around and is, um, for this camp and, and did as well with uh, Longo Serra. You know, he's got the pressure of Divalishvili and the, the grappling of Aljamain Sterling. But, uh, but I don't know, man. Uh, whether it's uh, him grappling or uh, his improvement striking, they all have this common thread of pressure. He has to be the one pressuring, or at least doing well. Not as great off of his back, unless he's like against a, against a fish or a non, 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 non-specialist. And uh, we haven't really seen much to say about uh, any real counter-striking off the back foot. And uh, Pantoja is going to bring the pressure. And Pantoja is kind of a problem, even though he had the chin for it. Because he could take a bit of damage. We haven't really seen him off the top of my head against a super long guy, at least uh, in, in relevant competition. Sorry if you hear that. It's my dog in the background. But, uh, but, but yeah, he does pressure, and uh, he'd always kind of missing, he'd be missing that jab. But in his last fight against, against Brandon Moreno, uh, he was showing much more of a jab, and it really helped him a lot. It really, really was... Uh, you know, messing up Brandon Moreno early, helping them set up, control, dictate that center line, and strike down that center line. Um, so yeah, yeah, I don't know. I really like, I really like Pantoja here. I just feel like he's the better back taker. He's the better grappler. He's the better scrambler. He's the better striker, and he's a pressure fighter at heart. And that's what you have to be against a, a guy like Okasaki. You got to pressure him, whether it's grappling or striking. We've seen him falter to both in the UFC. In the UFC. Excuse me. Some water here. But yeah. So um, I, I do have him here. And I mean confident enough to play him for a parlay piece. But I'm not like running out to tell you to, to, to fucking play some guy at minus 340. It's a shocker. It's going to be a super chalky parlay piece here for me. So I'm saying, it's nothing I'm telling you. But just, just for what it's worth. Curious to what I'm playing. It's what I'm playing. I kind of decided day of the fight for my uh, other play that I referenced. Otherwise, I would have shared it uh, last time. But they were all those plays were in line with my analysis. So for what that's worth, anyways. Um, uh, what's the next fight? Ah, uh, Michel Prescher is Michel minus one sixty five and Bartosz Fabinski come back on him plus one forty five. Ah, uh, I was tempted to play. Pick Bartos at least, uh, possibly play him, but now I ended up picking Michelle here, albeit not confidently. Um, 
Michelle's one. Of those, it's weird. It's like you want to say he's gassing, but then he will be able to show that he can go competitive three or go a hard three. But I feel like if he's playing defense or the one being pressured, I'm not confident in his gas tank holding up, even at welterweight when he's not having to cut as much weight. He's still having a cut. Um, or Shabinsky, you know what he's going to do, and he doesn't get tired doing what he's going to do. Uh, even if even against strong guys who are fighting against him. And granted, I know Mil Meek alone is not the best sample size, uh, nor is his fight before that. Was his name Hector Urbina? And these guys aren't great wrestlers. Uh, but you look at kind of what Bartos was doing, the size of him, his skill set, um, and the fact that he was able to come back off of a layoff. And the layoff was more for personal stuff, apparently. Um, uh, like, like business-wise and stuff. So maybe he's just a well-put-together dude and he just fucking does this, uh, you know... Uh, passionately and smartly when he's ready and put himself in a position where he can afford to do so. And now he's training at a, a good gym where kind of all the Polish guys seem to be uniting, uh, that uh, WCA or whatever, that uh, it's like a Bear Coot funded or LinkedIn conjunction gym and got a lot of uh, a lot of high-level dudes from that area as well as coming in uh, to train with. Um so yeah, I would not be surprised to see him like pull away with this uh, fight, but I think shooting on a shorter, stout guy is going to be really difficult. Uh, and Pacheres, even though only has one stoppage by strikes on his record, he seems to hit hard enough to scare guys off. I don't know what it is to do damage, to get knockdowns, even in some cases. But but yeah, um, so I, I I don't know uh, that Pat Cummings fight. So, uh, Cummings, fucking Zach Cummings uh, fight kind of surprised me, but, you know, how much of it was uh, the way Zach kind of fought in that fight, you know, I, I, I don't know. It's hard to say for me. Um, but, yeah, uh, I'll go with Michelle here, but it's not confident. In fact, that's on my, uh, my avoid list, one of three that I listed on the avoid list officially here. All right. Ooh. Next, Pollyanna Botello. Minus 150 favorite, Cynthia Calvillo come back, plus 130. We are on the main card now, folks. Uh, was a little surprised, maybe because of name, maybe because the fact that Cynthia Calvillo does have a deeper sample size. I mean, you, you know, even pre-UFC, if you ask me, as far as competition goes. But, Pollyanna Botelio, I don't know how she made, made the weight. Like, I think that's... I think I was going against her because I just didn't know how she was going to make the weight in the first place, and she shows up all cut up. And then she shows up for a second fight all fucking, let's be honest, Ju the juice was running through her shoulders. My goodness. And you could hear, I mean, she, man, I hate to be a hater, man, but she had the Jessica, Jessica Aguilar voice. I mean, I'm not trying to be a dick here, but you know what I'm saying? Like, there's some altering going on, man. There was some, there was some fuckery with some hormones afoot, all right? And I'm not... Man, I you, I really got to be careful when I say stuff like that. But come on, how can we not? Jesus, and I hate to put the tinfoil hat where it's like, oh, and they're going to be in South America. Or, oh, they're going to be in Brazil. But, man, to be honest, that that's kind of proven true when I'm going back and looking at the tape on some of these dudes. Like, uh, you know, even even my beloved Pantoja, who I'm playing, looked extra, extra juicy. <laughs> extra juicy in his last one. I was like, man, this guy's... 
Was this at 135? He looks more filled out in this fight. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, I, I, it fucked, man. And uh, she's training at Novo Nyao. Uh, you know, and Ketlin Vera and all the, and them, and she's a very Novo Nyao style, hard, uh, hard to take down. The wrestling credentials are kind of sketchy. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to make of them in Brazil. You know, you do have some good wrestlers that come from those, like the Glover Teixeira, for example. But you know, a girl who's not been doing martial arts for all but five to seven years, depending on what and when you're counting, it's not a large sample size. But she looks like she can wrestle at least defensively, which is what she's going to need to do because Calvillo has underrated wrestling. You know, I always forget that she's got a really good reactive shot, you know, coming forward and even countering when people are coming forward on her. But I think she's going to have to catch the perfect shot. She's really going to have to catch Botello coming forward. And even, like, watching Botello's early fights, like, she's always had a really good sense of keeping her feet underneath her. Again, very that Nova Nyao, very Hakran Diaz. Like, like, she reminds me of, she's like, the female Hakran Diaz. And uh, that is kind of the prototype I imagine you have to be to beat a Calvillo. you got to be conservative as fuck, uh, pressure, uh, hit hard enough to, to get, get your respect on the feet, which clearly she can do, Botelho, and um, be able to counter-wrestle hard enough to be able to dictate terms. And she can, she can do that. Looks like she can do that. Um, so, so, yeah, unless, unless Calvillo... Can shows the ability to take her down early, or can catch her with a perfect takedown and just create mad scrambles from there to get her submission. That's kind of how I see a path. Um, I have a hard time seeing it by decision. And in an interview, she's talking about her footwork and showing off her striking. I don't know if that's smoke to kind of be misguiding, or if she's kind of conceding that you know, which is smart if she is to say, hey, you know, I might not get the takedown in this fight, and I gotta be prepared. So that's smart if that's the case, but also if that's the case, I don't know how I feel about her striking with Botelio, even though we haven't seen a lot of Botelio. What we have seen is, you know, kind of no joke, and I haven't seen a lot from Calvillo. Like, she's scrappy as shit, for sure, and she's, she'll, you know, change, she'll throw change-ups, and she'll, she'll, she'll try to get creative in there, and she's not afraid. She'll commit. But... I don't see that physical threat scaring Paulina Botello off. So that's what I'm guessing people are seeing too. Though I figure the name value would have, would have put the line the other way. This is on my avoid list either way. But the pick is Botello. So, yeah. All right. Marlon Vera minus 320. Guido Canetti plus 260. Um, yeah. It's obviously I'm going here. I'm going with Vera. Although it's, it's, it's hard, man. Vera, I feel like... I don't know if it's the pressure, the... You know, being in America, having the, uh, the South American analyst duties, the sponsorships, I don't know. Those things, you know, they're hard to juggle, you know. Plus, all the stuff with his family, you know, and stuff, like, uh, which is going well and awesome. But, you know, but I don't know. There's just distractions, you know, albeit positive. Uh, or he just kind of just kind of shit, shit the bed against uh, deceptively tough dudes in his last couple of fights. But it's hard not to pick him against Guido Canetti. And hey, I'm a guy who's picked Guido Canetti in his last two victories, okay? I, 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 uh, I didn't pick him against uh, the Korean uh, gentleman, of course. But uh, I picked him the last time uh, and the time before, which I was really surprised. I think it's just because of the story and the fact he was fighting in his hometown of Chile. Uh, who was it? Uh, Diego Lima? Not Diego Lima. God damn it. 
can't think of the name. I'm just gonna look it up because for those of you who are like me and like to shout at the fucking uh, podcast, I want to ease your shouting, so I'll look it up for you. Come on there. Do, 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 do. Diego Rivas, that's who it was. That's right, Diego Rivas. Uh, but yeah, so, I, you know, I, you know, I'm not one to discount Kennedy, you know. Uh, training a team alpha male, but, you know, he scored takedowns when he needs to, but he's not going to want to go to the ground, man, uh, with uh, Vera, uh, who I think is going to submit him here. Um, I'm pretty sure I sprinkled on, 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 on Vera by sub. I'll see here. Uh, but Vera is, uh, womp, womp, womp. He's the third round of my parlay, I know. Uh, yep, I did sprinkle on him. Um, inside, no, it was, I, just, I just went inside. Uh, at chalk, minus 120. Uh, but yeah, um, is it, it ends up being a plus money, I think plus... 105, if you parlay those three chalks together, and I know that's terrible, I'm not recommending you to do that, but that's that's what I did, because I'm a degenerate, and I just was looking for something to parlay for fun, because uh, again, you, you should only parlay for fun, you can't take that shit seriously, uh, and that's what I did, I'm not telling you to do it, just 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 being transparent as I do. Uh, Alright, don't jump off that cliff with me, next fight, as I'll pull back to it. And yeah, I think I think uh, Marlon Vera can dictate range as far as striking goes on the feet with his uh, stand shifting and kicks. All right, uh, this one's an interesting line, man. Cesar Fajeda minus one seventy favorite, Ian Heinish plus one fifty. Now I was impressed with Heinish on Contender Series when I did the write up on him. Went back and watched him uh, for this tape study, and I don't understand the line. He's got a great story. He's got a clear path. I mean. You know, fake the takedown, come up with the right hand, and remind us of the chin that most of us, myself included, were fading for a time on Cesar Fajeda, right? I mean, I don't not get his path to victory, but the line next to the uh, the chances of that path, I guess, is what surprises me. Um, yeah, he was a wrestler, but, you know, not the highest uh, uh, level. I mean, good collegiate program, you know, Denver. Uh, I want to say All-American. Again, it's hard to see, see pull up these accolades easily now because uh, uh, Tapology, though, they're the best of all the record keepers, uh, or the most reliable. They don't really add those stats and are as good as about that as they were back in the day, you know, if you notice that. And, of course, I'm going to get that UFC tangent. doesn't list that there. Uh, but, but, yeah, it's, it's good offensive wrestling. He knows what to do against the guy against the cage. He knows uh, how to get get some submissions, but his level of competition wasn't great, not just by looking at their record, like looking at how these guys moved, what they did, what they were getting caught in. I mean, dude, this stuff you catch white belt people in that. Uh, I love it. It's like very judoka style, catch wrestling style. Um, it's like a, it's like an Americana. Uh, or, yeah, it's like an Americana, but with your, with your leg uh, that's listed as the shoulder lock. If you look at his uh, tapology record, you kind of chain, chain that with a head and arm choke threat. It makes for a nice chain. You, you threaten that arm lock. I usually just threaten that just to get the head and arm because their counter motion is to pull away and that feeds it into a head and arm. But, uh, yeah, he was able to catch, uh, catch a dude with that. Um, 
and then he loses to Marcus Perez, who I know I was really high on Marcus Perez, but I, I, I've come around on. So not, not not a shameful loss. And Marcus Perez hits one of my favorite submissions, the arm triangle from the bottom. Uh, Aljamain Sterling hits on Takeya Mitsugaki, as well as uh, Chuck on old uh, Jeremy Horn there. And, um, and yeah. Uh, but, you know, for what it's worth, that was a southpaw. And uh, the, the brief moments is where they stood, as well as the brief moments is where he stood with Sumter, who was a southpaw. The only southpaws, at least on tape, that I could find that he, Ian Heinish fought. He didn't look as comfortable on the feet. He wasn't as effective, I would argue. Again, not enough of a sample size to be sure of it, but he's going against a, a pretty proven southpaw in Cesar Fajeda. Um, also, common thread is athletic guys were the guys he kind of stumbled with a bit at first. Um even Sumter, once he got to the ground, uh, he got taken down off a reactionary takedown, which is where I see Fajeda taking him down. Fajeda has underrated wrestling, and from what it looks like, again, not all wrestlers' defense is equal, especially in MMA. Like, not all uh, jiu-jitsu guys' uh, bottom game uh, 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 translates as well. Uh, wrestlers, though, overall, as a martial art, their skill sets translate tenfold better in jiu-jitsu, in my opinion. The one... Chink, proverbial chink in the armor. I'm half Chinese. Relax. The proverbial chink in the armor is uh, is, is is takedown defense. That's where I always watch it for the wrestlers. They they seem to know what they, to do with takedowns. They'll have their different styles, sure. But takedown defense is something I do watch for. You know, um, as you would think, is not a lot of people shoot on wrestlers for one. So it's a weird thing, and you'd be surprised, especially you know you get you get in certain positions, uh, like against the cage, like uh, you know. Kale Sanderson saying that, you know, he wants to take down, um, what was it? I want to misquote, misquote the stud, but, uh, maybe Burroughs, but, uh, he was like saying, he's like, yeah, in the practice room, you know, guys like that. He's like, I got to get these young athletic kids against the, uh, the fence and you'd be surprised what you can get done there or against the wall in his case, I should say. But yeah, it's one of those weird things that translate differently depending on the style of wrestler. Anyways, neither here nor there. Um, I, I think Fajeda, if he gets wild like Heinish did against Sumter, he can get taken down. And like, again, even against Sumter, uh, he's you know going for that arm bar and parlaying that to turtle and stand up. Like that's how you like that's how Michelle Waterson was getting her back taken and taxed. And that's what I see happening here if he does that to Cesar Fajeda. Um, and even if he does get the takedown of Fajeda or ends up on top, Fajeda actually does one of the legitimate guys from bottom. Uh, that can pose threats through his technique and, again, his, his athleticism. So southpaw, athleticism, can strike, can counter, can counter with grappling, can submit with a guillotine, uh, can submit from his guard, can submit from on top. Um, I think he's going to get the submission here, or it's going to be one of those things where he's going to control him for three rounds, <laughs> oh, which sounds crazy because he's a wrestler or whatever, but, you know, just, like, take his back and control him that way kind of a thing, or maybe even get on top at a certain point from a scramble. And just kind of remind us, like, oh, yeah, Heinish isn't that proven. And he's making his UFC debut and doing it in Brazil against a Brazilian who's proven on a few days' notice. He has a few days' notice. I don't know, man. And uh, you know me, I love me Factory X guys. I don't think I've picked against one recently. And that, not because I love them. Again, that's just where the analysis falls. I play it straight. But I love, I always give a shout-out to Mark Mantoya and, and Factory X Muay Thai. Awesome. Awesome gym. And he's a part of that. And I got to imagine that's helping him bring him the success he's had up till now. So if he wins, good on him. 
But that line doesn't make sense. So not only is the pick Fajeda, I actually paid Fajeda 1.5 units on a, at minus 170 uh, for a straight play. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. All right. That, that, that's it. I'm going to move on from that. Didn't want to touch the over-under. Who knows? Like I said. All right. Uh, next one. Khalil Roundtree, minus 175. Johnny Walker, black, blue, whatever color you like. Uh, plus 155. Um, I took Khalil here. Obviously stated bias, although I oversteered away from my bias last time. Though it didn't hurt that he was facing Gokan Saki. I was wrong there. Another pick that I couldn't have been happier to be wrong about, by the way. And uh, Khalil won't be traveling too far because he's been living in South America, I believe, with uh, uh, Veronica Macedo. I believe that's on his... He posts that on social media, so that's not over-speaking. But, uh, but yeah, he's, he's, or he's lived in Spain for a little bit. Like, dude's been doing his thing, and uh, I don't think that's going to affect him in a negative for this matchup. Johnny Walker does not look to have or want to use his wrestling, uh, though he doesn't look bad when he gets on top. Um, like, he knows what to do, and his, his, his athletic and his long frame, you know, he's 6'5". He's like an Alistair, young Alistair Overeem. Uh, yeah, that's a pretty good comparison. Just a young, wild Alistair Overeem throwing, slinging his hammers in there, throwing f- flying knees and hooks and spamming shit. Uh, but <laughs> when he did face the southpaw, I couldn't help but notice him get finished. Uh, well, he's been finished a couple times because of his wild style, maybe getting in matchups at heavyweight that he shouldn't even getting too young. But, hey, Khalil is doing the same thing, man. I watched Khalil come up on the amateur scene just icing heavyweights and was fighting uh, light heavyweight to middleweight in his amateur. So he's fought all over the board. He's fought athletic guys, big guys, all all the above. Um, and knocked out most of them. And I see that happening here in the first round, especially just because I just saw, I can't remember which, which gentleman it was off the top of my head. I don't think it was Wagner Prado. Um, which was his first loss, or TKO loss at the very least. Um, but a gentleman from South Ball stands just counter right, counter left handing him right when he was doing his wild shit, and that's like Khalil's specialty. And doesn't look like those sensibilities or kind of cockiness from Johnny Walker has changed. He's a pretty confident fellow. Um, I presume Khalil will handle him. Uh, so. Uh, that's my pick, um, but it's on the fights to avoid because it's a crazy fight and there's bias attached for me. So, yeah, take that as you will. All right, Ricardo Lamas, minus 200 in the co-main event versus Darren Elkins, comeback plus 170. Um, I took, uh, we did do, we do, do videos on these, even though I don't do write-ups uh, for co-main events. I don't do write-ups on, uh, we do do uh, video breakdowns for MA Junkie, so... Uh, if, you guys can check those out, uh, but uh, but yeah, I gave my take on this one. It's it's just it's just it's real interesting, you know, where they're coming off of both uh, fights against you know the the next dudes in the division that aren't named you know Zabit or uh, who's the other guy that just joined the fucking ranks. Oh, there's a lot of them now. Jesus, it's one forty-five. Is so goddamn stacked. But anyways, respectable losses, respectable dudes who aren't yet done. They are still legitimate contenders, but the young guys are coming. And we're just pairing old dudes to pick each other off apart. That's, that's apparently what we're doing. Yeah. Which, by the way, Enrique Barzola was supposed to be, I think, uh, Nani Armani's original opponent. And if that's not true, I know he was supposed to be on this card. And it's just, goddamn, can we give that guy a good fight? Like, I felt like back in the day, like, 
we could get the best of both worlds. We could both sacrifice a guy like Barbosa, uh, Barzola and reward him at the same time, meaning you give him the fight he was asking for, like Zabit, because nobody wants to fucking fight Zabit, so he becomes your sacrificial guy there. But you're also giving him the proper due because Zabit's going to be on the main card, and that's a big matchup, and you're giving him that respect because he deserves a big matchup. He's on this winning streak, man. I've been hard on Barzola, goddammit, but you know what I mean. Felt like there was an age where we had some kind of symbiotic... And I'm not trying to blame the matchmakers. They're, they all seem like awesome dudes, Sean Shelby and McMaynard, but I think it's more of a product of what they're, they're given. I think they're kind of forced to, man. That's why we're just seeing these guys recycle and thrown on each other. Like, it's not a surprise when you're doing your tape study, guys, and you're like going, okay, where did this guy fight? Oh, yeah, on that card. Oh, way out there. All right. Where did this person fight? Oh, that person fought on this card too? Wait, this person? Are we just pairing up like the remnants of fucking two cards? Yes. Yes, we're pairing up the remnants of regional cards here. That's what we're doing. Or we're pairing up old guys with old guys in this case. Um, not to be disrespectful, I love both these guys, by the way. Especially Ricardo Lamas. Uh, mucho love. And then how can you not love Darren the Damage Elkins, goddammit. Um, but yeah, Ricardo Lamas, I imagine, is, is the worst matchup. I have a feeling he big brothered him back in the day in the gym. Not that it matters against a guy like Darren Elkins, because he's a game day competitor. But... Just the layers, you know. Um, most people want distance, and they want to strike a distance with Darren Elkins, and they can piece him up like madness, right? Like like Michael Johnson in the beginning. But what happens when they get to the clinch, right? Then it gets in trouble. Well, Lamas really fucking good in the clinch, uh, or really really strong uh, for what uh, uh, Elkins wants to do at the very least. Um, okay, then he gets taken down. Uh, on his back. Lama's actually really good off of his back for a wrestler. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, more importantly, knows how to use the butterfly guard. Uh, de deceptively good from his back. Knows how to create a scramble. Another phase of it, scrambling. Wow, he knows how to see. He scrambles his ass off. Really good scrambler. Again, the Jiu-Jitsu wrestling hybrid, insane. Uh, top, if he ends up on top, obviously he knows what to do there. I mean, just the layers he has on him. Like I think Lamas is one of the best fighters you could design. To, to maybe beat Elkins, which I should probably have a play on him for that. But uh, the one thing um, I may, uh, you could use for parlay fodder if it's an option, or I may play straight up. I think it was like minus 195 that this fight goes the distance. I think it does. But I think the over hits, if you want to attach that to some degenerate parlay, um, I think that over is going to hit. I have a hard time seeing these guys finish each other. Obviously, the damage, it's hard to finish him. Um, Unless Lamas goes mean with cuts, but I don't know if he's going to have that much control time. I think Lamas just really needs a win. He's going to play it safe and conservative. He's not going to strike too much, even though he could, you know, land the perfect kick and finally put Elkins out. Sure, uh, he's got a great submission game that shouldn't be, you know, underlooked. He could maybe submit Elkins, but I think it'd have to be something attritive or cut him, catch him like just right. But considering that. He lost a fight that against Mizrad Bektik for jumping for too many guillotines, and he really needs a win. I, I'm not sure how much Lamas is going to be gambling for submissions against Darren Elkins, who has gotten really hard to submit you know, since his one falter against uh, Charles Oliveira. So, yeah, um, I've got Lamas. Um, shit, I don't know. If that, if that line comes down, I might play him, but I don't think it is. I don't know. Yeah, that's my opinion on that. All right, main event time. Santiago Ponzanibio. Minus 280 versus Neil Magny. Comeback plus 240. Man, you know, everybody who's saying, you know, Magny's a live dog, I don't blame you. This is dog or pass territory for me. I know uh, shout out to Hal. 
listener of the podcast at, at Dr. Hal Psych. Uh, of course, Junkie Nation. Hal from Chicago. He's on Magni. He laid down the gauntlet on the show. Um, I think James Vicky, Vicks Picks even gave us a little bit of Vicks Picks preview. That's the dog he's got his eye on, at least. He didn't say run to the bank or anything, uh, but that's the dog he's got. James Vick was saying on the show today we, he's got his eye on. But, you know, I'm on the other side. I got Ponzanibio. All that being said, I, I don't, I don't, I, yeah, I think it's dog or pass because of the line spread. I'm not, I'm not that confident in it, you know. Magni has a knack for fucking playing spoiler. He has a knack for showing up to these fights uh, and making fights weird and take weird swings. Um, Ponzanibio, you know, he works hard and, and he has crazy, he recovers well, but he does have breaks where he kind of has to take his breath. He looks like he's gassing a bit where you can see Magni come to life. Magni just needs those little windows, gets a body lock and boom, you're in this fucking ugly fight and you're swimming for your life. Even a wrestler and good scrambler Slash MMA grappler Kelvin Gastelum had issues shaking Magni off of him. And, you know, Magni, again, that was a five-round fight at altitude that he took on short notice. So I don't, you know, it was a weird camp, but it was a prolonged camp. Those can kind of work against you. But Magni, this doesn't seem like whatever kind of camp he's in. He always shows up for what it's worth. There are some styles that beat him much easier, sure. But he always shows up. Uh, that being said, I think Ponzinibbio's got got the perfect style so long as he can keep it uh, uh, standing. Uh, his his his, his counter wrestling to his defense, he hand fights, he scrambles his ass off. Uh, it's harder, much harder to hold down than earlier in his career. Uh, so if he does get in these positions, uh, he's going to have some fight. Uh, I don't think it's definitely nowhere near game over territory. Nor is Magni a game over grappler. Uh, but I, he's got an answer for that. More importantly, he moves laterally much better. I mean, he's still a pressure fighter at heart, and I think he's going to have to pressure Magni at the end of the day because Magni likes to hang out at the end of the fence. That's where Ponzinibbio does his best work. But as he's shown in fights like his Mike Perry fight, he can he can move laterally and counter too. He can fight, fight that way, and that's going to be important for parts of this fight, uh, especially when he's looking to land those leg kicks. You know, He's really added those low leg kicks, that uh, American top team. Maybe they took a a page out of Benson Henderson in the MMA lab, throwing those low leg kicks. And as we saw with Lorenz Larkin, those pay dividends on Magni. Now, if you throw any other kick on Magni, it's bad. Magni counters every other kick beautifully. He catches it and just runs you over. He runs you down, and now you're in fucking Magni Gumby land. Good, 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 good. And you're just like trying to fucking get him off you. Magni. Magni. But, uh, yeah, uh... And he's really improved down there. You know, you let him get your back. It's not fun. He's either going to submit you or probably ride ride you for the rest of the round or really make you work hard to get you off. Um, but, yeah, uh, Ponzinibbio's got much better at managing distance. And I really hope he goes to the body more for this fight. But, nevertheless, his, you know, his splitting, his splitting of sorts of, uh, sorry, splitting the jab. Magni throws a lot of jabs. He loves splitting jabs, so he'll have a lot to split and move off of. I think Magni's going give, to give him a lot to slip and rip off of. And we're just going to see his classic uh, right, right cross, left foot continuums off of those slips. Um, again, I think it'll serve him well if he goes to the body. That's really going to open up the finish for him. But uh, I, I do have Santiago Ponzinibbio finishing him in the middle rounds. Um, I'll, say, I'll say late round two. Uh, surprisingly late round two which will be surprisingly maybe early, depending on what your perspective is. But 
I don't blame anybody playing Magni here. I I could see him. Uh, I could I could see him running away with it. Um, I'm gonna give a little bit of a a fantasy take, and then uh, if anybody pops out for me for that, I have it written here. But uh, really, um, I mean the dogs. I you know I always when I when I'm looking for fantasy, I always start off by looking. Okay, well, who, when I'm building my team, I go who's who's the dogs. I know it's a bunch of different ways to do this, but um, this might not be the best, but. Obviously, it's easy to pick favorites. It's harder to find dogs. So once my analysis is done, once my picks are in, uh, I start off by looking at where the dogs are priced. And I don't have prices in front of me. But the dogs that uh, I picked were Arnett and... Uh, ooh, Ount, ooh, Ount, ooh, Ount. Did I even pick another dog? God damn. Damn, damn. Like for example, I probably would go I probably would go Magni. I, I, I wouldn't see as many people on him. Maybe maybe they are because of the lack of underdogs that they like in the main event. But uh, Magni, I don't know what his average is. I don't have it in front of me, but I gotta imagine it's high because he just gets a shit ton of takedowns and he puts a lot of volume out there and he fights a, a crap ton. Um, and his fights go uh, go long or he gets to finish somewhere. So I gotta imagine he, you know, there's there's value there. Uh, Austin Arnett, but you know. It's tricky. I have a feeling it's going to be a decision. But if you look at Bondanay more than Arnett, they both have more. They're both more uh, finishing, you know, they don't see the scorecards much, win or lose, but especially uh, Bondanay. So uh, I, I could see a finish there for sure. Um, you know, uh, I'm not sure how much guys like Aldana will be, 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 be if you want to go really contrarian. And just you just see a, a, a skills differential there, like like I do. I'm just taking a shot on that, but that's super degenerate contrarian. I wouldn't recommend that too much. Um, and I'm trying to look at dogs who could be alive here, and I won't really trust uh, Powell. Dos Santos is one of those guys who will get the finish if he does win. Uh, same with Sasaki slash Sasaki would have to. I really don't see him outclassing Pantoja to get a decision. Uh, Fabinski actually is a guy I would be on just because of takedowns and he's a live dog. So I, Bartos Fabinski actually, um, if you're a believer there, I got to imagine Calvillo is going to be one of the more popular dogs. She's one of the more popular names in the car period. And she's places a dog and she finishes and goes for takedowns. So I don't blame you if you're on that, but I got to imagine a lot of people are going to be on that. I, I would still just avoid that even in freaking DraftKings there. Um, Vera... I think Vera gets a submission, so but yeah, I gotta imagine he's gonna be a higher price guy. Popularity and odds on favorite, so yeah, I imagine he's gonna be a higher price. Fajeda, man, I think he's gonna get the finish, and if the odds are indicative to what he's priced at DraftKings, I would give him a look, uh, especially because Highness is probably gonna be a more popular dog. I mean, the line tighten the line was small, and I think people got on it because people started betting on Fajeda. And then I started seeing all the stories on Heinish resurface, which if you were paying attention, you already knew his story. But, you know, uh, you know fighting, I mean, fighting put out a video, and then all of a sudden I see that line kind of shrink back down, money come back on Heinish. So I think there's going to be a few people on Heinish there. Um, Walker, Roundtree, I mean, that's going to be money. There's value either way. They're both close. I got to imagine they're going to be right in the middle, somewhere in the middle there. Uh, not far, not not far price. So if you're running a tight lineup and it comes down to it, you may have to pick Walker to save yourself a couple hundred. Because I imagine there's only going to be a couple hundred difference. Um, 
Llamas and Elkins, I really wouldn't touch. Uh, I don't see it being promising of a high score. I think it's going the distance. And in a card with not a lot of names, people might gravitate to them just because they're names and not really think and do that math, you know, at least the casual player. So there's that. Uh, And a recap of the plays, uh, the parlay pieces I'm on was uh, Niramani, Pantoja, and Vera. I know uh, not very big there. Um, The overs, though, in uh, Fabinski, Pizarres, uh, Elkins, Lamas, uh, I think are, are are worth a look if you're looking for an, uh, other possible parlay legs. Um, straight plays. I took Arnett plus 205 at just a quarter unit. was the only dog. And then Fajeda minus 170, uh, 1.5 units. Um, no props aside the ones I mentioned that you could maybe use for a parlay piece. Oh, I played a inside or whatever, minus 170 or 120 or whatever for uh, Chito Vera. Um, and then I I, 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 I sprinkled on a round tree round one for plus money, I think plus 150, but I didn't even want to mention that really because it's complete bias. As well as on my fights to avoid, fights to avoid Botelio Calvillo, Pesher Srebinski, although I kind of just set the over there, uh, round tree and Walker, although I obviously gave my bias play there. Uh, and recapping the picks, which again, I'm going to give you this uh, timestamp in the notes as well. If you really are just a fucking, you just come in here for the picks. I get it. We'll we'll start from here. Um, Starting from the bottom. And we're here. All right. uh, Sorry, that was awful. Nani Romani over Anderson Dos Santos. I'm I'm taking Nani Romani. Taking uh, Jesus Pineda over Devin Powell. I'm taking Hector Aldana over... I'm taking Austin Arnett as the dog over Humberto Benzene. I'm taking Alejandre Pantoja over Uka Sasaki. I'm taking Michel Pacheres over Bartos Fabinski. I'm taking Cynthia Calvillo. Jessica Morales over... Oh, no, no. I'm taking Pollyanna Botello over Cynthia Calvillo. Sorry. That thing must stuck in my head. I'm taking uh, Marlon Vera over Guido Canetti. I'm taking Cesar Fajeda over Ian, Ian Heinish. He's a Nazi dude. <laughs> He's a pacifist. Sorry. I botched that line too. All right. <laughs> He's uh, taking Khalil Roundtree over Johnny Walker Black. Taking Ricardo Lamas over Darren Elkins. Taking Santiago Ponzanibio over Neil Magny. All right, those are my picks for UFC 140. Uh, submissions in transition. Uh, I'm gonna save that. Sorry, guys. I'm gonna Matt Damon. <laughs> I'm gonna Matt Damon this stuff again. I'm looking at the time here. I wanna. I wanna get out of here. This thing's already running about 26 minutes longer than that. I wanted to do that because you took 31 minutes in the intro. Easy. All right, 34. I get the point. I get the fucking point. Thank you guys for hanging in there. Uh, it was fun. Good luck on whatever your picks and plays are. Enjoy the fights this weekend. Sorry if I'm kind of on and off Twitter. Feel free to reach out to me. And, and I love when you guys shout out all these little nods that you listened. Uh, not that so much that you listen, but, you know, just coming at me with your honest opinions. I, I definitely put enough fishing lines out there because I'm genuinely curious. So thank you guys for supporting the podcast. Thanks for the five-star ratings and reviews on iTunes and click through on it. Amazon. I see you guys clicking through that. Thank you guys. I'm going to give you guys shout outs with the list here. Black Friday is coming. Keep it on mind. That's mixedmartialanalyst.com for podcast past breakdowns and on it and Amazon click through. So until next time, protect your neck.